this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Lindsey? I'm great, man. Rolling on this four-game one streak. It feels like 75 degrees outside. It's pitch black. Um, everything is is going well in Cincinnati. You just got back from Cincinnati. How was your trip? It was fantastic. What were some of your highlights besides the Bengals game? Uh, well, this I mean, cool. I met Chad Johnson. That wasn't like a Bengals like a, a writing type thing. Uh, mm-hmm. where I just sat down at dinner at EO Kitchen. Um, you know, I don't know. I was. But uh, I said that I looked to my left and said, is that, is that Chad Johnson? <laughs> and it was, which was probably the highlight of it. Uh, and then I also got to meet Willie Anderson, which was great. Never met him before. So non-Bengals at all related. I don't know. There's a there's a barcade in OTR that you get unlimited play for buying one drink. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, which one are you talking about? Level one, I think. Oh. I don't know cool. where. I should know. I live in OTR. Um, there's so many arcades around, so I should know where that is. But it looked like you had plenty of great restaurants, had had a good time. Obviously, the Bengals game was really cool. The atmosphere was absolutely awesome. I feel like you picked the best game to attend of the season. That was my hope when I picked the game. And then, uh, maybe I was right. I don't know. Maybe there's yeah. a better game. That, that primetime atmosphere, I was absolutely impressed because obviously going into the game, you see the social media post, the sections that everybody should wear. And I'm like, you know what? It's starting to look like this during the tailgates. You could see everybody would be in all orange or all black. And I thought, you know what? Maybe they'll be able to pull it off. And, and I felt like the stadium looked awesome. And the and the crowd was was great for the primetime game against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I didn't know if the stripe thing would work, but it worked out beautifully. Uh Everybody was loud. There was a lot of energy at the stadium. I love being there. So uh, probably the only one I go to, but <laughs> they are undefeated when I am in attendance. We love that. We love that. We need to bring Mike back for if there's a home playoff game. That would be absolutely huge. Uh, but with the Cincinnati Bengals right now, you know, you think about the start of the season. There's a lot of things. And look, there's still a lot of football left to be played. But I remember the 0-2 start. And there was a lot of comparison and non-comparison to what they dealt with last year. Like, oh, no, this isn't the same team. Joe Burrow was injured the first half. You know, the stats aren't the same. This this needs to get worked on. It just doesn't feel like we can compare it to what happened last year. And while we can't yet, because there's still a lot of football left, this team is five and three on the season. And it feels like you look at this Bills game, you look at the Niners game, and I know people are down on the Bills and some were down on the Niners after the Bengals beat them. Those are still two really good football teams. And I still feel like the Bills are going to be in the playoffs and they'll figure it all out. Um, some say it's a bad matchup when they played the Cincinnati Bengals. I just think the Bengals were a better team. Um, but you look at opportunities offensively with this team and you look at opportunities just a week ago when they were playing the 49ers and they left points off the board. And I still felt like they were in control of both games, and including this one. I, I honestly didn't really feel too worried about it, to be completely honest. It was just a bummer that they missed opportunities, um, you know, late in the second half, and then obviously in the in in the second most of the second half for for them offensively. Being a fan of the stands, I feel like this is the perfect game because it was a little bit tight, so there was a little bit of drama to it. But the Bengals led the entire way, and it felt fairly comfortable. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of that. 
and I guess they had a shot at the end to maybe tie it, but that Raiders playoff game where the entire time it felt like the Bengals were in control, even though it was fairly close throughout the game. Uh, that's that's a good one to be in attendance for. Usually, you know, you, you know, you've got the drama, but you also are feeling pretty good the entire game. I think against the Niners for sure they left points on the board. I'm not. I don't remember if there's too much that they like. There wasn't like the Irv Smith fumble or those type of plays in this last game. Was there something that made you think that they should have scored? Yeah, they didn't get points off the interception. And I feel oh, like they- yeah. Oh, and the penalties on that drive. They all came out on that drive. I mean, mm-hmm. incredible amount of penalties. And the Kappa hold, don't see it, but sure, whatever. I, we, we move. The other stuff, I think it was all fair. But the Kappa hold was one of those that I've watched probably like six times at this point, just rewatching the game so much. And I don't see it. The The tackle kind of just throws his hands up and was able to get the flag. Yeah. And that happens a lot, you know, just depending. Joe Burrow got his first roughing the passer call. I know a lot of people didn't agree with it, uh, you know, from the national media side and, and people watching the game. But, hey, look, that guy was due for a roughing the passer call, and I'm not complaining. Yeah, out of all teams to complain to, I think Josh Allen leads the league in roughing the passer calls. So, yeah, I that one – I also, you know, I was wasn't sure it was a penalty, but you take those, I guess. Yeah, but well, just offensively, it's funny because again, there there's something about the Bengals winning the coin toss right now. I, I need to know how many weeks in a row they've won it, and it just felt different that they were going to take the ball, and they absolutely did. And I was a little nervous about it because I thought, no, 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 you don't want to do this. You better score on that first drive or this feels like a mistake. But when the Bengals score first, I mean, they're absolutely impressive. I, I want to say there was a stat out there. Maybe Zach Taylor's 21 and two when they score first in a game. Um, I could be wrong and, and people can correct me. But overall, when they do, they just felt like they controlled the game. It felt like it was going to be a shootout when Josh Allen was able to just drive down the field. And it felt like, oh, we're going to see a lot of touchdowns tonight. Joe Burrow went back into the end zone and then it kind of just stopped for a little bit. Um, but offensively, we got to talk about it. We'll start with Joe Burrow's play. What did you think about his game? I thought he was tremendous. Yeah. He had the chase play. There's a few issues there that Chase, you know, it was underthrown. It was late. Although I do think the defense kind of forced it to be late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one of those, maybe you just move on too. Uh, you know, like uh, it's better to throw that when it opens late, like 50 yards downfield, or if it's not there, maybe you just move on to the later up something a little closer that might've been a little bit more open. Like uh, I believe it was T Higgins on the over route, but I'm not going to, uh, bash a quarterback for trying trying to throw the deep ball to Jamar Chase as long as you know the the worst outcome doesn't happen it's not a pick you know it's it's fine I'm okay with trying those once in a while if they're a little more aggressive uh other than that play though I mean he moved well he worked well out of structure he was extremely accurate I feel like he almost always made the optimal decision with the ball He's right now, the last two games, just playing on such a high level that it's exactly what we were talking about of why the offense wasn't working early. And now the offense is working now. And it feels like Burrow, instead of the blemishes of the team 
really being magnified. They're more so being covered up, you know, a play call that doesn't work. He's able to go make a play happen. An offensive lineman not making the best block. He's able to work around that pressure. He's actually one of the best in the league the last two weeks of working through pressure. So he's able to lift everybody up around him rather than those deficiencies coming up and being a real issue. And that's what we were hoping for with Joe Burrow. That's why he gets paid a lot of money is he's going to make everything around him better. I know he's late to the party this year just because it was a month of a calf injury and, and missing most of training camp. Uh, but I feel like these next two games, and I'm not trying to overlook the Houston Texans, we'll talk about it later this week, but these next two games could put Joe Burrow right back into that MVP conversation. If you look at the MVP group right now, it could really, these are huge games. You get another AFC game. The Texans obviously on a high, and then you have the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football on the road. And I think the way he's playing over the last few games, um, it's worth just kind of putting him, you know, maybe maybe he's, up, he's on the list now. Um, I, you can point to Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, you know, the guys that have been performing, um, all season, but Joe Burrow is, I don't know. I think he's, he's playing like one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah. I think the primetime games are huge because Josh Allen stat wise and in most of his games has been good and really could probably be in the conversation right now. His odds have dropped all the way down to like where Trevor Lawrence is. And I think a lot of that has to do with, well, they played primetime. They lost to the Jets, and then they lost to the Bengals, and in neither one of those games was he fantastic. On the other hand, while Burrow wasn't great in that Rams game, I feel like it's understandable because of the, the calf injury is pretty obvious he was dealing with in that game. And then he was lights out in a primetime game. Well, Thursday night, two weeks, don't overlook the Texans are a good team. No. But in terms of the media and viewing Joe Burrow, it feels like that Ravens game could be a turning point because right now Lamar may be the favorite or at least one of the favorites and ahead of Burrow in the race. So if you are on Burrow MVP watch, I think that Thursday night football in two weeks is going to be probably the most important game, uh, at least until they play the Chiefs near the end of the year. Yeah, 100%. And, and kind of just going off of the offense right now, T. Higgins, you know, a guy who's been battling a rib injury, he's toughing it out, playing out there. Huge year for him. Everybody knows about the contract extension. Is he going to be staying in Cincinnati? Is he going to be leaving? You know, I don't want to think about any of that, but I felt like a night where they took Jamar Chase away, T. Higgins stepped up, and it felt like such a bounce-back game for him this year. And it was he was just fun to watch. I wanted him in the end zone. I was so bummed that I thought one of the touchdowns, I'm like, it's, it's in, it's in. And then obviously the replay showed that it wasn't, but, um, but T was unbelievable on Monday or on Sunday night. Yeah. Thought T was great in this game. I, it was everything of what makes him a great receiver. He was able to catch the ball way away from his body, which Roswell Douglas is a long corner, but T's longer and he's holding on through contact and just strong hands length. And the ability to uh, position himself to win those contested catch situations, but also underrated movement ability route running and creating separation that way worked well out of structure. It's uh, it's it's why a lot of people think they have the Bengals have two number one type of wide receivers is that when you focus and allocate your resources to cover Jamar Chase you're leaving T Higgins in a situation which he should thrive. And this was one of those situations. 
Other weapons. You know what? Just very timely after the trade deadline because we heard it all season. This team, they have the worst tight end group. Irv Smith isn't a good free agent pickup. They missed this guy, this guy, this guy. They should have traded for a tight end. A night for the tight end group. If you would have told me, if you had it, if somebody had in their parlay that Drew Sample, Irv Smith were going to score, Tanner Hudson, I felt like he had a really productive game. Where do we start with this tight end group from Sunday night? Yeah. Uh, Irv early was a real big factor, and he was, you know, solid throughout the game. Touchdown was nice. He was aggressive. He was physical on the route. He was able to push into Jordan Poyer on the route and create some separation that way. He did a nice job, you know. He had an issue with getting his feet down. Let's just leave the feet and, you know, one cheek is two feet, as John Madden would say. So that made it easy. Uh for him, at least, he didn't have to worry about it. And then Drew Sample, I mean, had the play of the game, really, and uh, probably the best play of his career in this game where he's just a little check release, check down, catch the ball, run, and then one-on-one in the open field against Taylor Rapp and makes him grasp at air, jumping out of the way, before scoring the touchdown, Dr. Sample was also really, really good in pass protection and good in the run game in this as well. And then Tanner Hudson, he's probably the most uh, of like what they've had before, where, you know, Irv is just kind of shorter, six foot two. And Sample, he's not really a fluid receiver outside of the ghost of Gronkowski taking over him for a play. Um, Hudson's big. He's tall. He's strong. He's able to catch, you know, what the normal tight end stuff would be for this team. The past couple of years, there's a couple fake screens. So I'm not sure if that's translatable from one week to the next. Maybe that's just how the bills are playing that. But overall, I thought he had a good game too. And Looking at the group, I mean, maybe they can string together a combined competency rather than being an issue for this team. Yeah, it's encouraging. And, you know, something that was a little, it's something to monitor as we're recording on a Tuesday night. Uh, Jamar Chase, that throw that uh, it felt like, man, it was nothing but green grass in the end zone. He was going to have six. It felt like that special connection. We always see it from nine to one. And unfortunately, a little late on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. We don't know if that's what happened or that's when he he hurt his back. Um, do know he's sore right now. We don't know what the injury is. Um, Zach Taylor did talk to the media on Monday and said he's day to day right now. The Bengals will practice on Wednesday. This podcast will be out Wednesday morning. So more updates along the week. Um, if they, you know, set him out of practice, they manage his reps. Uh, but to be determined, cause as of Monday, Jamar Chase just said he's sore right now. He's pretty sore. Um, so that's definitely going to be something to monitor going forward. This team has been able to string together wins without him last year. Um, they went three and one without Jamar. Uh, was it three and one or was it four and one? I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'd have to me. Well, like he could have come back and he came back for the, the KC game. Right. Um, he came back for the Kansas City game. He left. It was, he didn't play the Browns game. So Panthers, Steelers, Titans. So three and one. Yeah. Three and one. And, and obviously you don't want to be without Jamar Chase. He's their best wide receiver on the team, but that's definitely something to monitor. Do you have any thoughts about uh, Jamar right now? No, I'm not concerned until it becomes uh, like he hasn't practiced this week 
right now I'm just assuming he'll play and I assume he'll play at a pretty high level, but don't, don't want to also ignore this because I did that a little bit for the burrow injury and that was serious. So uh, hopefully it's all fine. Yep. To be determined, we'll have more when we record on uh, later this week when we preview the Texans and the Cincinnati Bengals, but staying on the offensive side before we move over to defense, anything else that uh, stood out for you? Um, well, I thought that Joe Mixon had a pretty good day in pass protection, but I also think that he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Uh, I mean, he was, it's just, he wasn't asked to do things that he normally struggles with. He did a lot of the stuff he's normally pretty good at, you know, guys that are obvious and clearly coming right at him from the same side of the formation. He picked those up. No problem. And he's always been a high effort, high physical guy to be able to make that work. But I want to give him credit too, because he had a pretty good day there. And really that, that might be it. I think, I feel like this was a really high motion shift and for, you know, what people always complain about creativity type of game from the Bengals offense schematically, they moved around a lot. They used a lot of motion to create some matchups for them. They, um, even ran some plays I haven't seen them run before. So it was cool to see all of that. And they must have just been saving it a little bit for this Bills matchup. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Offensively, just over the last few weeks, it feels like there's still a lot left with this offense. It, it was what we expected, but just Joe, Joe Burrow having time is going to be a game changer. Um, you know, getting Joe Mixon, continuing to keep him involved. And then you have your wide receiver group. It was just so encouraging. My biggest thought was obviously Joe Burrow. I felt like it was a low key 348 yards, to be honest, because you leave the game and I'm like, let me look at the stats. How did Joe do tonight? I know it was a great game and uh, no turnovers or anything, but you know, I felt like it was just such a low key 348 for me personally. Yeah, I wasn't sure he had 350 yards after watching the game, but uh, he definitely played really well, so it could have happened. It was just one of those, didn't feel like he threw the ball all over the yard, but he must have a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I'm looking forward to them getting back home again on Sunday, but we'll move to the defensive side. Josh Allen, after that Jets game, we even talked about it last week. He was taking care of the ball. He wasn't turning it over because that's something that you really noticed from Josh Allen a lot last season and previous seasons. I mean, he's not afraid to just throw it downfield and, and see who's there. Um, great quarterback. I still think he's top three. It's it's Patrick, Joe, and, and Josh Allen for me, and look, that could change at the end of the season. But that, too, are my top three quarterbacks in the NFL overall. Josh turned it over. Cam Taylor Britt making a play, and Cam Taylor Britt over the last few weeks is showing the NFL, look at me in year two, and uh, I think he's starting to be a, a real threat out there on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that play was uh, the same coverage and came to the in the same position opposite side of the field as the interception he had against Allen in the divisional round, cloud coverage and cover two. He's sinking with the go route. They, The concept is called Ohio in a lot of places, and famously I think that Zach Theo did call it that in 2019 because Ryan Finley audibled him too. He yelled out Ohio and Marcus Peter played with the Rams the same time Taylor was there and Peters knew what was going to happen. So Finley up there a pick six on that play, but that's what they ran. And it's just an out route from the inside and a go route must outside release go out, go route on the outside. 
when you're the cover two corner, you are responsible for that out route, but you need to sync with the go. So he sinks with the go, and Josh Allen ends up just, just throwing it. And I think Cam Taylor Britton knows Josh. It wasn't so much a bait as in like he's kind of sneaking up, sneaking up, and trying to force him to throw it. He's just kind of sinking, and he sees Josh. He's like, Josh is going to throw this. Like, I know Josh. Like, he, he wants the go route. He doesn't want to throw the five-yard out. He wants to throw the big play. And once he did, he makes a great play. He makes a break on the ball. Great ball skills. Good play from Cam Taylor Britt. That was definitely one of those R. Kelly moments from Josh Allen. Whatever that was, the mind was telling me no, but the body, you know, just like he, he's looking at it and he's kind of like pumping it like, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And he throws it and he just like immediately slumps over like, why did I do that type of situation? Which I can relate. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he he had a Josh Allen, a uh, classic Josh Allen turnover and throw there where probably shouldn't try to force those things. But it was a great play from Cam Taylor Britt, too. I think uh, that was a high-level play. want to see him keep up this breakout year, keep taking the hard assignments, the, the digs, the Metcalfs of the world, and try to do your best against them. I think he's been good this season. And he, he isn't afraid to get in their head a little bit because we saw what happened with the DK game. And then if you, I, I had to watch the game again, but uh, just some of the highlights of seeing Cam Taylor Britt look right over to Diggs after the interception. And he was just the biggest grin on his face. And that guy, he's physical. He's getting in their heads a little bit. And that's just what you want to see out of a cornerback who the Bengals traded up for. Ironically, they traded up with the Bills. Uh, to get Cam Taylor Britt, and um, he's had two interceptions the last two times that he's played them, and it's just been really fun to watch out of Cam. And you know, when they put their their number one receiver on him, um, it has been it's just been a fun matchup for for the Bengals defense. I want to keep with the turnovers right now because you can always count on this team when it comes to turnovers, and it's been really fun. But the Dalton Kincaid, it was such a tight end night. If you would have told me, Drew Sample, Herb Smith will have touchdowns, Tanner will be good. But the one tight end who's going to fumble the ball, and, and, and Dalton Kincaid, actually, he was pretty productive in this game, but fumbles the ball at a really important time in the red zone because of this defense. I know Jermaine Pratt was talking to the media after the game, or it was either after the game or, or Monday in the locker room. He had mentioned, look, I missed, I missed Dalton on that play, so I knew I had to go and make a play. And just credit to Jermaine Pratt for knocking the ball up when Nick Scott hit him in the air. Uh, so the defense overall, just a huge turnover for them because it did feel like, oh, Josh Allen, they're getting in the end zone here. And it could have been a turning point in the game. Yeah. I mean, I thought on um, that play, you know, you give up the five yard, maybe it was 10 yard completion. That's not the end of the world, but what a way to make up for it. You know, like it kind of reminded me of, um, when Travis Kelsey got open and he's running down the field and, you know, he lost that battle, you know, like Travis Kelsey beat you. He got open. He's running down the field. They have a first down, but the play isn't over. You know, you can still win the war and he forced the fumble on Kelsey on that play. And this play, he forced the fumble on Dalton Kincaid. Also just an insane forced fumble. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy punch the ball out as the, other guy is flipped onto his head or upside down like that. That's uh, crazy tracking. And I guess a reason to always try to punch at the ball is this is the you know, only good things can happen. 
hey, look back at the Patriots game on Christmas Eve. They punched that ball out when it felt like the Patriots were going to score. Game was going to be over, but this defense just never gives up. But they do practice that. They practice punching the ball at practice, so that absolutely came in huge. Lou Anarumo, obviously the king, that I'd say the best defensive coordinator in football. Over the last few seasons, people can argue, but um, he's he's one of the best, and his defensive unit really feels like over the last three, four games, getting it together and showing everyone they are a top unit in the NFL, and um, they're going to be really fun, kind of picking up where they left off the last few seasons. But we'll stay with the defense right now. When you think about the defensive line, what were some of your thoughts after the, the tape? I think my first thought is that B.J. Hill and Sam Hubbard are becoming a dynamic duo on that right side of the offensive line, left side of the defensive line, just in terms of being able to create pressure, work together on these T.E. Tech stunts. They ran a, quite a bit of them in this game, and they seem to almost always work. So uh, this is big. I mean, we always think about – how do you have somebody else besides Trey Anderson get all this pressure? Well, it doesn't have to just be winning your one-on-one -on -one rush. It could be these tech stunts and stressing the communication abilities of the off of two offensive linemen. And in this game, I thought, and in the Seattle game, they were huge. And BJ Hill has just become a real monster on these plays where really the penetrator is kind of the, the setup guy on this and the loopers supposed to be the one that gets all the pressure, the sacks, whatever. But BJ Hill has been so good on these multiple times that he not only is able to set up Sam Hubbard for a clean shot at the quarterback, but he's also getting through and getting a shot before he even gets there. So I've been really impressed with those over the past couple of weeks now they've worked together the past couple, the past few years, but it seems like just now something clicked with all these stunts that they've been able to run, and they worked really well against the right side of this Bills offensive line. It feels like B.J. Hill, I think there was a graphic I saw today, his numbers for the whole entire season last year, he's almost right there at the halfway point of the season, and I think that's extremely impressive. Do you think it's his usage or just we're just seeing more production out of B.J. Hill? I feel like it is different usage. I think that's a big one. And, uh, yeah, he currently, I don't want to look it up after you mentioned it, has more sacks already now than he had all of last year, and he has two more quarterback hits now than he had all of last season. So in terms of rushing the passer, he has been probably a much – I mean, I think he's leveled up in that regard. He had five-and-a-half sacks in 2021 – so he's one and a half sacks behind that, but he already has more quarterback hits in 2021 as well. So, yeah, I think he's leveled up a little bit as a pass rusher, and some of that is the usage to me more than anything. I think the way they're using him on these stunts and attacking offensive linemen that way, it feels like that's how B.J. Hill maybe should be utilized going forward rather than just asking him to beat the guy in front of him. You put it out on social media after the game. I thought it was pretty funny. I know some people, they take that stuff so serious, but, you know, I'm still on the trust the process with Miles Murphy and his rookie year. Um, there were some highlights from Miles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this is more fun on social media than anything. <laughs> it, it's definitely, if uh, if I'm trying to give real analysis, I'd be doing the, at least it'd be real games, but I'd be also be jumping the gun on this. You know, like he wasn't, incredible i thought he was fun and pretty good and flashed and showed what you want to see 
I think that's my main takeaway is that he looked, you know, I guess a pretty good left tackle and Deion Dawkins, he had some plays. I think he had at least, I think by almost all accounts, one pressure because you get a hand on the quarterback like that and make him kind of hurry up his throw. This one, I tweeted it out. Uh, you can see he bull rushes Dawkins, gets to him, gets a hand on Josh, doesn't knock him down or anything, but he kind of grabs his collar as he's really right after he's releasing the ball. I, I think that's a pressure by almost all metrics, but PFF even gave him an extra pressure. And I think there's a, play, a few plays you could argue that ball came out maybe a little bit quick, but he was winning and he looked like he was in control of a lot of these reps. He's doing all this. When really his only move is just a bull rush and speed to power and trying to run through an offensive lineman. I think that's exactly what you want to see because he's able to have that right now. And I think his hand placement and some of the drive has worked better in this game than it has earlier this year. But he's only going to get better. He's like a young 21, I believe, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So he's young. And he is going to be able to add on to this move set, his length and strength and athleticism. That's always going to be there. He's just going to get better as a technical rusher. The next step for him would be to be able to disengage after driving the offensive lineman back into the quarterback. That's what we're looking for next. And I'm sure it'll come. It's just a matter of waiting. I think right now he's – He's been flashing and he's looked like a pretty good player. It's limited snaps. So I'm talking two pressures and some people maybe think like, yeah, two pressures, who cares? Yeah. He played, I think, 10 snaps in this game. One of those, he was uh, a quarterback spy. Another one, he slanted because it was a blitz. And one of those was a run play. So three of those, he had no shot of really getting a pressure. So call it maybe seven pass rush attempts and he got – one, maybe two pressures in this game. I'm trying to be conservative with the one, but I think you can yeah. definitely argue for two like PFF did. That's good. That's that's really good production. I think people have to realize that I, it's an unpopular opinion because I think a lot of people want the rookie to be ready day one because they look at these other teams, you know, really the tight end position. You see Sam over in Detroit, also Don Kincaid with the Buffalo Bills. But for the Cincinnati Bengals, they don't need Miles Murphy to be amazing his rookie year um this is going to be he's going to develop he's going to get the experience with amazing people on this defensive line on the defensive side of the ball and he doesn't he just doesn't have to be extremely ready right now and there's gonna he's only I feel like he's only going to get better do you see a difference every week when he's out there even though it's very limited yeah I mean I thought this was his best game and I think it's not fully linear it's not like every week he's a little bit better than the last week but when you track over the course of a season i think he's definitely at a better place now than he was week one and I, I still even think he was flashing early on in the year too so this isn't like the first time it's happened it's just this is probably the first time he looked fully in control of a maybe over half of his pass rush attempts where it looks like he's dictating everything and dominating and depends on what the quarterback does. That's always a relationship there with how fast the ball comes out, where the quarterback is on the play. But overall, I mean, I thought it was a really good game from him. And I would say this, he looks better now than he did earlier. 
we'll go to special teams because it could be a big week. They could see the return of Charlie Jones. I know Zach Taylor said it would more than likely be this week. Last week when a lot of people expected him to maybe get the call up. Um, could be returning for the special teams unit, maybe a little bit on offense. We'll see what happens there. But Brad Robbins. He did pretty well on this. Uh, I keep calling it Monday night because of the prime time on Sunday night. I thought Brad Robbins uh, showed some flash. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I thought Brad Robbins was good in this game. And it was something that I didn't think a lot of people talked about. Uh, it, I thought Brad Robbins in this game, he wasn't – the game played to his strengths. He mostly punted from around midfield, but he did a really good job on those. I mean, every single punt was inside the 20, and average position of about the 10 – one punt outside the – or two punts outside the 10, one inside, I think. Not 100%. I don't 100% remember. But on those three plays – those three series from the Bills, no points. They didn't allow any points off of a Brad Robbins punt. Uh, it was always backed up situation. And it's – you know, if you're going to criticize the guy for – not having the best games early on in his career, we have to recognize he's gotten better. And maybe we don't fully understand punter uh, progression. I don't think a lot of people do, but I do know that the people that study punters, which there's a couple, uh, they they seem to say that your rookie year, it's a lot different punting in the NFL than it is in college. So some of the guys take a little bit of time to adjust their rookie season. Let's see how it continues. Would love to see a game where he's trying to boom the ball because we haven't really seen that yet. But when it comes to accuracy, hang time, and what they talked about when drafting him, he showed it this game. Only, I think only, so one of those was a fair catch. I believe another one, did he, I think he might have punted it out of bounds. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, he didn't require... He gave himself help, but he didn't fully require the help either. On It's not like it was a crazy diving thing that made it happen instead of a touchback or the other end of hitting a shank and it just kind of rolls for him. It felt like good punts in this game where he was – the ball went exactly where he wanted it to go. Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals 5-3 and three on the season. Um, they lost two games at home over the last two years. They're back home, sweet home, versus a pretty fun Texans team. Uh, but we'll get we'll look ahead to the, the preview and what's going to happen later this week. I want to talk about the AFC North right now. It's tough. If the playoffs were today, all the teams would be in the playoffs, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Um, you know, I was hoping maybe Seattle would give the Ravens a game and it wasn't even close. The games that I thought they could drop over the last few weeks didn't happen. For me personally, it's it's the Ravens and the Bengals as the two top teams in the AFC North. The Steelers and the Browns have great defenses. I just don't believe in their offense. Um, you know, the Browns have been lucky in two games uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, they're right there with all of them. And a huge game this weekend for the Browns and the Ravens. They'll face off each other with each other. The Bengals will see the Ravens on Thursday Night Football next week. What do you think of the AFC North right now? Best division in football. No, no other division. Are you five and three and at the bottom? So, yeah. <laughs> and it would have to be somebody. If it's not the Bengals, you know, the Browns or the Steelers would be five and three and at the bottom. I think it's a really good division. It's a really strong division all the way throughout, even though some of the underlying metrics for the Steelers 
don't put it that way. They've done it like three years in a row. I think we're done with the idea that this is going to come crashing down at some point. It's just who they are. They win the close games. They get blown out sometimes, and they don't look good while doing any of this, but they win. And that's what matters the most. It's like, you know, your wins. Uh, the Browns, the defense is awesome. The offense isn't watchable at times. Uh, this past week it was, I think. I didn't really watch, <laughs> so I don't know. But it seemed like they had a pretty good game against the Cardinals. Uh, Ravens might be the hottest team in football. I don't know. I mean, I know the Eagles have only lost one game, but it feels like the Ravens right now are just at this moment a juggernaut. We will see if that holds throughout, but they just seem like they are clicking and firing on all cylinders. That game against the Bengals on Thursday Night Football, neither side wants to look ahead because both are in games that they could lose, but that does feel like two unstoppable forces crashing into each other in a prime time slot. So that'll be cool. Overall, I feel pretty good about the Bengals' chances in the division. They may not fully control their, I think they might fully control their destiny if they, but they're probably not winning out. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you said I, that last year, so you never know what could happen. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's wild because they were four and four at this time last year. The Cincinnati Bengals were they were coming off that terrible game against the Cleveland Browns, and then they managed to win 10 games in a row. And their last loss was the AFC Championship game by three points. Um, the way they're playing, I still feel like there's there's more to see with this offense, and that's what's really exciting defensively. I think they're getting it all together. Um, you know, it's it's getting together at a really good time and they always play well coming out of the bye, but they always kind of feel like a November, December and January team over the last two years. Um, and, and this is huge. These next two games are absolutely huge because after Baltimore, you get a little bit of a mini buy uh, after you've had the early season buy. And then it, it doesn't get easier for them. We've, we've heard all season, man, you struggled. You started one and three on the season. You're supposed to win some of those games. And then you have the gauntlet coming up for them. And they just kind of play. They play like every game is the playoffs when it gets to November, December, and January. It really just feels like that with this team over the last few years. Yeah, who knows how sustainable it is to always win these tough games uh, later in the year. But we'll see. They have a tough one against the Chiefs. They've got other tough ones throughout the year. Uh, The Jags, another division winner that they they will play against. I think that these games are big because a lot of them are in conference. A lot of them are – wait, is it – no, they have the Vikings left. That's the only other game that they have this year that's – um, outside of the conference, but they already played through the NFC West. So they have one out of conference game left. They've got four divisional games. Yeah, four divisional games left. And then both of the other, they already beat one. Well, they don't play the Dolphins. Dolphins are division leader right now. Dolphins could win the AFC East, uh, especially with the Bills dropping another one when they could have caught up to Miami. You want to win those head-to-head matchups? Because that's your first, I believe that's your first tiebreaker if you're in this exact yeah. same record as one other team. If another team is uh, tied with them, then it becomes something that you know, I think it's the conference record and their conference record's a little bit shaky <laughs> because they lost. Well, at one point they were four and three and their four wins only came against the NFC West. They were 0 and three in the conference. Now they're one and three in the yeah. conference. 
this is a chance to bolster that record in specific. And it's also a chance to beat the Chiefs, beat the Jags, maybe tie. You know, like they lost one game to the Ravens. Maybe you win this one. Now it moves to your divisional record, which still needs some help yeah. uh, from another team there. But or would they because the Steelers beat the Ravens? So I guess I would tie them. Huh. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm not ready to think about tiebreakers yet. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, too much to think about tiebreakers. But, you know, you want to win your tiebreakers and be in a good spot. That's, that's I think, yeah. the idea is beat the Jags, beat the Chiefs. So that way, if you're in a situation, whether it's in the wild card round or, or whether it's in the wild card for the five seed or it's for the three seed, two seed, one seed, you're not stuck with the four seed and having to play against the Ravens in round one if you win the division. I don't want that at because, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd rather play against, um, you know, one of the other teams that, well, I guess the Browns. The, uh, no, they don't I want mean, to play against the Browns I either, huh? Not either. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that's not great. Steelers, though. I feel pretty good about playing the Steelers. You know what? The Why not? Let's, if I had to pick between the three, maybe I would pick the Steelers. Um, but it, it's crazy. One more, one more quick thought on that. You know the matchup I kind of want to see, and I feel like it, I would say – it feels like it's going to happen, and it would be the Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. And sure, one of could them happen. Get, yeah. Yep, and say, and say well, Cincinnati was playing someone else, and they played in the divisional that, round that too. Would, that would definitely, I think, require the Bengals to win the division because the Chiefs are probably going to be a high seed. So yep. they'll only play against the Ravens if the Ravens are also a are a fairly lower seed, because otherwise. It'll be Bengals Ravens in the divisional round, or uh, Bengals Chiefs in the divisional round could also. I don't like that. Happen, you know that. I don't like that. I'm not gonna lie. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, the AFC. I feel like it's still up in there. It's tough. It's proving that it's tough. But we've known that for the last three seasons, um, and it ended up being the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs at the end. But a lot of football left to be played. I am so pumped to talk about this matchup versus the Texans because they get a CJ Stroud, who I feel like is the rookie of the year right now. Um, he's been playing a lot of fun football. And then Joe Burrow, who's been lighting it up over the last few weeks. So we'll have more later this week. I know you'll have content over on all Bengals. What's going to be up there? We're going to do a Miles Murphy check-in. We love that. We love that. Make sure you go check it out. He probably won't be rookie of the year, but um, you know what? <laughs> it would require a lot more playing time. But uh, we love that. We love that for Miles Murphy. Trust the process. Make sure you check it out over on all Bengals. You can follow Mike over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back later this week to talk Bengals-Texans on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.